Hi everyone, I'm Aviva Rumani, and welcome to episode 48 of Kindred Cast, Lion Tree's bi-weekly podcast featuring insights from deal makers and thought leaders from the world of tech, media, and everything in between. On today's show, Lion Tree CEO Arie Borkov sits with Max Konzi, the recently appointed CEO of German media conglomerate ProSiebenSat1, to discuss his vision for the diversified company, whose assets include Germany's largest broadcast network, a new streaming partnership with Discovery, a production arm, and a robust e-commerce platform. Listen in as Konzi talks about the opportunities in the global media marketplace. Hi, everyone. It's my pleasure to be sitting here with the CEO of the German media conglomerate ProSieben, Max Kanze. Welcome. Well, it's very good to be with you, Ari. Thank you for doing this. A real pleasure to have you here in New York talking about the global media landscape and your career developments and where ProSieben, most importantly, is going to be going from here. As many of you may not know, because Max is new to the media industry, Max has extensive international management experience in various industries and was made CEO of ProSieben in June of 2018. Prior to joining ProSieben, Max served as the CEO and chairman of the board of Dyson, which is a consumer and technology innovation company, where he was from 2011 to 2017. During his leadership, Dyson's revenue tripled, and the business expanded from 2,500 employees to over 10,000 across 70 countries, so a real global leader. Before his stint at Dyson, Max spent 17 years at Procter & Gamble, where he has held several executive positions, such as the MD and senior brand manager. So a real understanding of the consumer. Prozeban is Max's first experience in the media industry and is already shaking things up and making his mark. And I've always said it's probably a great thing to have new managers and new stewards of capital coming into this industry with a fresh perspective because the status quo just doesn't work. So Max, welcome and thank you for being here. No, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So just to put it in context, ProSieben trades both on the German exchange as well as as an ADR in the US. The market cap of the company is about 3.6 billion euros. The enterprise value is nearly 6 billion euros. Actually trades at around six and a half times EBITDA in 2019 as of the recording of this podcast and about eight times PE and has recently, like many in the marketplace, experienced a level of contraction and decline in the stock market as we find a new settling of the strategy in the shareholder base. But that's a perfect entry point for you, Max. So just to get things started, why did you make the transition from Dyson to the media industry? <laughs> what, yeah. what attracted you about this industry? Well, exactly. What, what have uh, vacuum cleaners and hair dryers uh, to do with the voice of Germany's next top model? No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if there's one thing I've always been about is consumer technology and transformation. And if you think of it that way, and you look at where the media industry is now and where it's going, then you know I think to win in the media industry going forward, you want to be more consumer and more direct and more focused. I think it's becoming increasingly a technology business and it's certainly crying out for transformation. And so while I'm very busy learning all the ins and outs of the industry and I'm really enjoying that because I've always been passionate about entertainment, always be passionate about digital or something still awesome. If you look at our TV channels, when we do a voice finale, we can gather Germans as a cultural event. So I think there's a lot of strength in what we have today. And it's all about how we take the strength that we have today and more aggressively develop that into the future. Digital, go where people want to watch it, 
and really leverage what I think is a very unique combination around the world in that we are both an entertainment and a commerce company. You hit on the advantage of the media industry at its core, which is the ability to scale an audience. Yeah. Right, because the consumer businesses, in my experience, and you have much more of it than I do, just as an outsider, you have to really have the right product at the right time to aggregate a user base. And then it's cyclical. The vacuum cleaner today cannot be the vacuum cleaner tomorrow. Same thing with iPhones and technology, et cetera. But when you have a media business, you really scale an audience and build engagement and affinity and a real understanding and relationship with the consumer on a recurring basis. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. If you look at Posibum Sardines, you know, we're a four billion company, billion revenue of that. Two and a half, two point seven is entertainment. Very close to a billion now is e-commerce and commerce assets, and then about six hundred million is uh, production assets. And what I find fascinating is one: if you look at TV, there's us, there's RTL, and there's the public broadcasters, and each corners about a third of the market. So we have still huge convening power, star power, reach power. Of course, the way people are consuming content is changing. It's more digital, it's more streaming. And so we need to move faster in making our content available the way people want to watch it. And we need to get our advertising proposition. So we need more direct-to-consumer proposition and we need to get our advertising proposition smarter because there are huge targeting opportunities as your reach becomes digital or on TV becomes fundamentally addressable because it's a digital signal as opposed to a broadcast signal of old. So if we can do that and at the same point in time go after our commerce footprint, which is growing 14, 15% organically per annum. We have great brands in there and they benefit tremendously from the synergy in our entertainment setup. Because what does commerce need? It needs reach. We have that. It needs star power. We have that. It needs convening power. And at the same point in time, what does commerce teach entertainment? Well, it teaches entertainment, data, technology, direct consumer engagement. And so I think there's wonderful synergy in that. Well, look, there are parts of our audience here at KindredCast and obviously through LionTree that understand and are familiar with ProSieben as the largest German broadcaster. But we look at things as a global scale. And let's just put everything in context because I think for the benefit of everybody, ProSieben as the broadcaster in Germany is a lot like CBS or NBC. Uh, or ITV in the UK. Or Those ITV are good analogies. Those yes. are good analogies. And that's what the company has been known for historically, but what you're talking about is a more of a diversified model that actually exists today yeah. at the company, which is the broadcasting model at your core, but also an e-commerce platform. What percentage of the businesses? The e-commerce, which is called Newcom, and we have GA as a private equity investor in there for, 20, Atlantic, yeah. for 25%. Last year was about an 800 million revenue business, will be a billion today. And we're number one in Germany in experience, we're number one in matchmaking, we're number two in online price comparison, and we're number two in beauty e-commerce. And all of those are consumer needs that are big, vast markets, and we have a strong dominant position. That's more akin to like an IAC as a comparison. Yes. So how do you manage those businesses together in one company? And how does the public markets react to that? Because, you know, obviously everyone likes simplicity. You have diversification for the benefit of enhanced growth. So how do you manage those two businesses together? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I think investors and analysts in the past have questioned the combination of uh, entertainment and commerce assets. A few views. One, if you look around the world, with Dyson, I spent a lot of time scaling Asia as a business and uh, spent a lot of time in China. I know and understand what Alibaba intends and all these guys do really, really well. 
And if you look at their business models fundamentally, there's a consumer in the center. That consumer is, if you want, in concentric circles being served with entertainment offering, gaming offering, payment service offering, social media offering, commerce offering. And there's a tech and data engine that manages that synergistically. And so I think there is, though by no means are we of that scale or 100% comparable, but nevertheless, I think there's quite a compelling model in this. And our commerce businesses were built originally with media for equity investments, where we were taking, before my time, but a very smart model, where we were taking excess media inventory that we could not have monetized very well. And we were using that to acquire stakes in startups to mature startup companies. We're now at the next stage. So you would give it a startup some slots on the advertising model, on the broadcasting And model. take equity take as equity opposed to get paid for it. Huh, okay. That's a really interesting model because you're taking inventories that you can't really monetize any other ways and you're turning that into something that has very meaningful value going forward. And if you look at our e-commerce platform businesses, which we've aggregated in a company called Newcom, is a business that didn't exist six years ago, will be a billion this year. And then my strategy outlook, if you look at the total company, four billion billion in revenue, what I've told the markets is that we have, I think, a clear strategy and action plan how we take the company to about six billion, billion and a half in uh, EBITDA over five years, in which Newcom plays an outsized role because we think we can take Newcom from about a billion to two billion. A lot of that organically. And then as we've actually done last year with smart uh, creative acquisitions and, for example, in matchmaking, we own a company called Parship Elite Partners. They're the number one in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, but they're active in 10 markets in Europe. And we acquired eHarmony, which invented the category in the US. We think we can bring significant value to that business because it has huge consumer awareness. And as we put our tech engine underneath, our algorithms underneath, what we have learned about that business underneath, we think we can create tremendous value. And General Atlantic is your partner in that journey because they have expertise in these growth businesses and they value the platform as a minority holder. Yeah, it's been a really good partnership because they have expertise in this area. They've been investors in these kind of businesses worldwide for many, many years. They have very good access to the talent pools. I think they're also a good disciplining partner is for a corporate to learn how to manage a portfolio of what still, to some extent, our owner, founder, and entrepreneurial-led businesses, you know, requires a different touch than maybe what you do in traditional media. And I think having them as a partner on that journey is very helpful. But ProSieben consolidates and controls the e-commerce asset. Completely, yes. Okay. So you're betting effectively, given your targets and given your strategy on growth as a driver, that your constituents, your shareholders, your observers want to see growth. And so there you can take the business of a broadcaster, which is more stable in nature, hopefully, and use that capital and use that cash flow and use that scale advantage to contribute to growth in other products like e-commerce. And that's really what you're going for is growth. Yes, exactly. If you look at the core of our entertainment business, there's a few jobs that need to be done. No one in a world of Netflix and Amazon and so forth. So I think we have to make sure that the content that we are offering is more local, more live, more differentiated and more relevant. So that's job number one. We're taking up our content investments. We've remixed how much content we buy in the US and how much content we generate in Germany. We're taking our studio footprint and we're making that more synergistic with our entertainment offering in Germany, number one. Number two, we need to make the great shows, news, sports, all the things we do available more compelling digitally. 
And we're doing that through owned and operated. We're doing that through building a streaming platform in a joint venture with Discovery that is currently called 7TV. It'll carry a different name. It'll have a big launch in the middle of the year. And really the strategy here, I think, is loosely following what Hulu has done in America, which I think is compelling and creating one aggregator hub for German entertainment where as a consumer can go, you know, I can get all the sports, all the news, all the entertainment, all the fun, and I can get that served in one convenient platform. And I can have that as an advertising supported model. Or I can have it as an advertising reduced or advertising free model with more unique content at a certain subscription level. So we're doing that, number two. Number three, we're taking the advertising product, which today is largely selling broad TV reach, and we're making that product smart. And there's tremendous value in it. If you look at the advertising market in Germany, it's 21 billion. TV advertising of that is four and a half billion. We take two billion and a bit of that. So really... The total advertising market is both healthy, growing, and it's very large. I'm just not taking enough of that market because my product is too constrained. If I can make the reach I have smart, all digital reach by definition is smart, TV reach as more TVs become addressable gets smart, then I can go to the car company and say, look, I can run your national campaign, but at the same point in time, I can link all those national spots back to the dealer in every city. And, you know, there's quite a few of those things some of which are very common in the U.S. that simply do not exist in Europe. And by looking at the U.S., it's actually easy to see how much value there is in that. There's a lot of money that stands on the sidelines. And what we do know is that videos, so moving picture advertising, beats any other form of advertising. And as we do that, I think more money that today is in digital banner advertising, is in search and so forth, will start moving back into video and content-driven advertising. And we can do that well. Yeah, well... Most of what you're talking about is taking advantage of the large market in Germany, one of the major markets, the media in the world, and it's a great in-market strategy. But how much of that is enough for you as the CEO of ProSieben versus wanting to use your competency in some of the core entertainment businesses to scale across Europe or outside of Germany? So how much of the business today is in Germany versus outside of Germany? Yeah, so today, if you take Germany as Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, is 80-85% of our business is there. And I think the answer is a sequential answer. No, yeah. I, I think we need to first focus on taking the great, very strong assets we have in Germany and making them future fit and future ready. As and when we do that, we then, I think, have significant opportunities expanding those business models. And I just mentioned matchmaking as an example where we think we have a superior business model. We're expanding that. I'll give you another example. We own global digital video player, what used to be called multi-channel networks, called Studio 71. We own and play seven of the top 10 YouTube channels in Germany. We have creator communities of, I don't know, 20,000 creators around the world. We have a big U.S. footprint. And I think it's those kind of businesses that will give us more pacing into both Europe and the global world. And then, of course, as media becomes more technical, we're having a lot of partner conversations, which I think are very meaningful, no? Because everybody says, well, how on earth are you going to compete and win against the Amazons and Netflixes of this world? And I think part of the answer has to be combining more strength. And, uh, with you different know, companies working together. Yeah, with different companies working together. I'll give you an example. We did a data initiative in Germany called NetID, which is a single sign-in alliance. 
We were co-marketing media inventories with the biggest publishing house in Germany. We were actively working uh, with Springer on news content creation. And so we have a set of initiatives that really try to take advantage of the strength and position we have and bond more together. And that's very meaningful. Everybody in the world talks about Netflix investing a billion in content in Europe. But if you look at the total German environment, there's five billion being invested in content. We invest about a billion in content, about half a billion of that is local production. So if you start splitting that Netflix number across Europe, maybe there's two, 250 million coming into Germany. So we're still outspending these guys two to three. That doesn't mean we can stand still or be relaxed. But the infrastructures and the firepower we have, I think, is very significant. We just need to use that with more energy to create the future. The in-market strategy, I understand, and obviously you have a large enough market that there's a, a lot of room to execute and grow there yeah. and protect your asset base. Yeah. And by the way, I'll just give yeah. you a number on the market. You know, one of the things I always like doing is think about the sandbox you play in. And I have a philosophical view that to build a growth business, what you want to be doing is find the biggest sandbox and make yourself the smallest player because it unlocks growth. So yeah. if you look at, I quoted earlier, advertising is a 21 billion market. If you look at direct to consumer entertainment, everything from rock concerts to Spotify, that's 36 billion. If you look at e-commerce and platforms, which is a business we're in, that's 60 billion. So you end that up as a 100, 115 billion market in which I have 4 billion in revenue. So even in Germany, Austria and Switzerland, there is loads of space for me to grow in bulk up if I have the right competitive offering. And then, of course, in the mid to long run, we'll have an ambition beyond the borders of Germany. Yeah, you mentioned those numbers at your recent Capital Markets Day, where you really went through your vision for the company for the first time. Those are big numbers and a very small share, which is an opportunity in that sandbox. And I think that over time, you will just execute to build more share there, which is the goal. I'm interested in that sandbox as how you build a sand castle. <laughs> and the sand castle is well one needs to be careful with sand castles are you right because they can come crumbling down so I, yes. I, maybe we want to build more of a steel structure or so <laughs> exactly you know you have to start somewhere right yeah. but in that sandbox if you're really going to compete from a macro perspective on where things are today and where things are going which is as you mentioned against Amazon against Netflix then you really need to have more of a global or pan-European perspective so as you bring your shareholders along with you, you have yeah. to do it in an incremental way. Then you touch on the discovery partnership as a way to create a streaming platform yeah. with fellow broadcasters or fellow media companies in Europe. So take us through more of that a little bit about what the plan is there and who else is going to join. So we set up a project, well, it's currently live. No? So there's a streaming platform that's currently called 7TV. That is a 50-50 joint venture between Discovery and us in which we have aggregated Maxdome, which is our streaming player. Discovery is aggregated Eurosport player. And we already have Springer signed up. We've just done a partnership deal with ZTF, which is one of the top two public broadcasters. And we're in very advanced discussions with other partners. And by the way, even today, that platform has about two and a half million users split between subscribers and people who use a free offering, which is a starting point. By no means more than that. So what we're now working is... A, to create a really compelling product. So we have a team of about 250 working on just creating a great functionality streaming operation. It'll have a new name, it'll have seamless functionality, it'll work mobile only, and so we're focused on that. We're focused on bringing together 
all the content that Germans want to see. So we're in advanced discussions for everybody to join. Whether everybody will join, I don't know. You know how these partnership things go. But certainly our intention is aggregate and make everything available. And if you think about audiences, I think if we can use some of the reach and convening power we have, make a compelling digital offering, and I don't mind for that to be free, particularly in the beginning, because I think it's about creating traffic and eyeballs. We convert some of those users over. I think we can build some meaningful scale. Then, of course, we have quite an active program investing in local and unique content. I think there are some real opportunities, by the way, very different to Amazon and Netflix managed their streaming offerings to be more local, more relevant. Yeah, that's the you know, it's, yeah. the, it's the short format news summary in the morning while you're in the subway. It's the three-minute comedy clip when you're in the subway on your way home. It's the curated playlist on a Sunday because it rains that gives you the great German entertainment classics. I think there's ways that we can both bring an end. We have very, very deep libraries of content. And I think there's ways that we can make that content meaningful and relevant and bring it alive that is unique and very differentiated to what an Amazon and Netflix do and that have their role. So that's what we're very focused on. Your competitive advantage at the end of the day vis-a-vis -a, -vis a direct -to consumer platform is the local unique content that you produce. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it's the news, it's the sports. Correct. It's, you know, one of the things as I come into media that I'm learning is and it resonates with me, that media has brands like the world that I come from, right? And it's very, very hard to build these great brands. So I'll give you an example. We have a brand called Galileo. Galileo is a mostly male-focused format that does uh, science, news, and all of those kind of stories. It's been around for 20 years. It's one of the world's leading formats. It's a huge brand. Already today, 20% of the viewing of Galileo is digital only. There are 24-year-olds who are watching Galileo on digital that actually do not know that this is a brand that originated in TV. So I think there's assets we have and strength points we have that can be very meaningful anchors for digital experience as we go forward, and we just need to use them more smartly. Yeah. So a few other things about this sandcastle getting outside of uh, Germany a little bit. Content production. You have a studio called Red Arrow, and content production is, as you said, your competitive advantage. You know how to build this content. So will you do it on a more global or pan-European basis in whole or in partnership? First of all, we will own more of our own production. So if you look at Red Arrow Studios, it feeds about 13% of our programming grid. We think that's not enough synergy, no? So we'll take that number up to, over the next few years, the 30% pluses. So I think that's answer one. Answer two, we are working actively across the European landscape to look at where we can co-produce. And we have done so successfully in the past. And will co-produce with anyone. No, I, There's nothing wrong with working together with the publics. There's nothing wrong with co-producing with Canal Plus in France. And so we're working on a very, very active network, particularly across Europe, mm -hmm. where we can find more synergies in content creation so that we can have iconic shows, iconic fiction, iconic factual in a way that is more cost-effective and travels better. Yeah, that's really the vertical model, effectively, yeah. right? Because I think as people listen to your strategy... There's a lot going on, but at its core is the protection of the core entertainment business and building off of that in localized, differentiated ways that own your own content, not just distribute that content in market and obviously in partnership with others outside of market across Europe. Yeah. 
At the same time, you have a commerce business in partnership with General Atlantic that you control and you run that is building growth businesses that actually fit very well together with the core entertainment broadcast business. I don't think I have a comparison of that in the U.S. where you have a broadcaster and a substantial e-commerce platform, but you do in China. So are those the right comps where you think about Alibaba and Tencent where they actually do entertainment and commerce very well together as a platform? Yeah, I think it's a very good and very meaningful analogy. You know, and I think you put it well. There's a lot going on because we're transforming into the future. But if you all cook it down to its basics, I think it's exactly that. It's take the core strength entertainment offering, make sure you own more of it. It's more life. It's more local. Make sure you distribute it both in the channels you are strong in today, but you create the channels of tomorrow. Make sure you take that in advertising offering and you have a more compelling and smarter and more targeted advertising offering for everybody that wants to do advertising. Number one. Number two, build that commerce and platform. And by the way, these commerce and platform businesses are very sustainable. You know, they're not businesses that will be disintermediated by Facebook or Amazon tomorrow. And so I think they stand on their own. They can significantly scale and they have huge synergy already today, but more into the future with the entertainment setup. And I think if we can continue to create value on both ends of the equation, but then more value by combining and synchronizing and synergizing those assets, that becomes very compelling. Do that in Germany first, as and when these models are strong and compelling enough, look at how we can create more value above and beyond Germany in partnership or on our own. Yeah, I think that is the right approach. And you don't expect to see this kind of innovation and growth coming out of Europe. You do in China, you do sometimes in the US. So it's nice to see a European entrepreneur. We spent time together, we got to know each other since you came on board, not only at private strategy sessions, but also at events. We really got together last year in Europe, but we were at an event at a concert together and we had a simpatico moment where we appreciated the fact that this is a differentiator for media, that you can put on an event, that you can have experiences that are different from technology companies that are more global in nature, but don't always share the same experience, kind of get out of the cloud into life, we talked about, right? I think that's where you're bringing a level of expertise, which is to take the competitive advantage that media offers and try to scale that from the point of expertise versus trying to go to the technology players and playing their game. Yes, I think that's very true. And in fact, as I've kind of sorted principles with my teams, what I've said is consumer first, right? Because I think as simple as it sounds, but there's a lot of power going back to understanding what excites people. And, you know, when you and I are in a concert and that is a great fun moment, we're creators of cultural experiences. We're creators of fan communities. And I think if we go back and appreciate what we do, then we can meaningfully transport that into the future. So it's consumer first, it's content first, it's digital first, and money follows, which maybe would be my last point on this. Because the other thing that I've seen as I look at the industry and, you know, I looked at many of the things that Prozim Sadeins tried in the past, I think often the right strategic ideas, but not executed, frankly, with enough longevity, with enough willingness to go through. And I think if you do the right things and you stay the course and you really transform, then these business models money will follow. But you have to be willing to transform. What doesn't work is to protect your source of revenue from yesterday, not invest in tomorrow, and then think somehow that building is going to last. No, Correct. You can't play defense to play offense. Exactly. You have to play offense to play offense. Yeah, and I was brought in as an offense guy, so this has got to be an offense play. Talk about the money for a second, not to be crass, but you are dictating a growth strategy and therefore 
trying to align that strategy with a shareholder base that is also growth-oriented. And you uh, looked at your capital structure and your capital return policies when you got there, even since June, and you did move the dividend down in order to actually focus the discretionary cash flow that you have on growth opportunities, yes. right? So how's that transition going? Uh, because the stock has come down a lot as part of that transition, which is probably expected and probably normal and also aligned with the market environment we're in today. But as I mentioned at the beginning, you are at six and a half times EBITDA, eight times PE. So it looks like it's kind of washing out a little bit. And now where do you go from here? Are you happy with that strategy? Yes, I, I fundamentally am a believer in you have to do what's right for the business. And then, of course, you have to deliver the proof points. And what we did with the strategy reset, I think, is many of the things that broadly in analyst investor communities, people are saying are the right things. No, it, it doesn't make sense to have an 80 to 90% dividend payout in a world where you need to invest in transformational business models. It doesn't make sense to be entirely dependent on U.S. content when you need to be more local, more life, and have more ownership. So I think the sentiments are broadly shared. Making that switch costs money, and if you want, there's a bit of transitional noise with that. There's friction. You need to reset and I think that's what we're doing. And maybe we have the advantage of being the fresh guy coming in to go and make some of those changes. I think those changes are coming to everybody. And so those that are still pretending that, you know, they can live with the old model have possibly not faced up to that as much. No? And so I think we have, if you want quite a bit of that bad news out, we have clearly reset. We have a very clear strategy going forward. And I think what investors, of course, want to see now is us delivering the proof points. As we roll through this year, Q1, Q2, and so forth, I think some of these proof points will come alive. I've learned to not ever be the arbiter or judger of markets. Markets are always right, Ari, you know, but I've invested meaningfully with my own money in the company. And do I think that if we do what we do, we'll be worth a lot more in the future than we are worth today? Absolutely. And that's why you're here after six months. And that's why we're here together on the podcast. Exactly. Looking forward to this being a marker point and to watch you perform and hit those milestones. And welcome to the media industry and welcome to Kindercast. And I really appreciate you doing this with us, Max. Thank you very much for having me, Ari. You got it. Take care. I hope you enjoyed our show today. If you want to check out any prior episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Feel free to leave a review there as it helps people find the show. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at KindredCast for behind the scenes photos and info. Keep listening and see you next time. Thank you.